Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, July 5th, 2020. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Powered by Go Hockey Media and sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Big show coming up for you tonight. Mr. Christian Arnold making his debut as co-host of Hockey Night New York. We have Mr. Brian Compton joining us in about 15 minutes from NHL.com to talk everything going on. The Islanders return to play that weird draft lottery that went on and plenty, plenty more. Christian Arnold, how are you? What's going on? I'm so excited to be here. Finally getting this going. This is awesome. We're here. It's happening. It's, it's, it's been a long road to get back to Hockey Night in New York and yes. get back to hockey in general. And that's the understatement of the century. Yeah, and assuming everything goes well here, and there's no major hiccups, and we've we've seen a couple of those already, and we'll talk about that. But it looks like we are inching closer and closer to return to play. Training camp is around the corner, barring any delays. But real quick, before we dive into everything, just want to send a big thanks to our sponsor, Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Uh, located 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Uh, can't say enough about those guys over there, Donnie and the rest of his staff. Uh, they did a tremendous job with our pal Devin over at Yes Men Outfitters, delivering meals to first responders when the pandemic started, you know, hitting hard back in March. And they've been gro- doing great work since then. So not only is it a great deli, but they do great work in the community too. Uh, I was actually just there the under- other day. Donnie and his staff were excellent. The food was tremendous. I had the wrist shot hero, Christian. It was delicious. I believe you've sampled some of oh, the yes. food as I'm well. I'm a big fan of the Berkey. The, the Berkey is fire. Named it after MSG's fire. Brendan Burke. Actually, his wife. Oh, his wife? His wife. Oh, if, I, if I understand the story correctly, his wife went in there, ordered that sandwich. It was so popular that people liked it so much that they named it the Berkey. How about that? But it wasn't for Brennan. It was for his wife. All right. I dig <laughs> it. I like it. All right. So there you go. A couple great sandwiches there. And look, the place is it's decked out in Islanders colors and Isles memorabilia. So if you're in the area, or even if you're not, make sure you get on over there. You know, support local business run by diehard Islander fans. So big thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Really excited about the, uh, the, the, the uh, partnership we have going on with them. So with that being said, folks, we'll be talking draft lottery, the return to play, the CBA that they're currently working out. If, if you were all looking at the, the Twitter feeds going on out there right now, Bob McKenzie actually just sent a little update out there that there is a tentative agreement, correct, Christian? That is correct. Four phases, and it seems three like, and four? Correct, and it seems like we're learning little by little these these details that are coming out from several of these hockey insiders about what the protocol is going to be. It seems like there's going to be a lot of daily testing. Players aren't going to be allowed into the facilities. They have to be tested two hours at home first, and then they have their temperature taken once they get to the arena. So there okay. seems like there's a lot of safety protocols in place. That's good. Similar That's good. to what I think you're seeing in baseball right now, which you're seeing most likely with the soccer players that have Return to Disney to start that tournament, which I believe starts actually on Monday, so tomorrow. Um, okay, which is exciting. So, and which I think you, I also saw firsthand at City Field earlier today. I had to take a temperature when I went in to cover the Mets this morning. This morning, so certainly you're seeing a lot of this become the norm, and I think that's what we're going to see for a, a long time now. All right, so since we're since we're there at the top, we might as well stick with the CBA for now. We'll get into the to the draft lottery a little bit later on. So. You know, the, not not too many more details came out from Bob McKenzie other than the fact that they do have this tentative agreement in place. There's still a vote that has to happen for the whole thing to be ratified, but it looks like it's moving forward. I don't think there's been any change to any of the dates coming up. I, I believe it's still supposed to be the 10th for Officially, for yes. Camp. If, I, if you understand correctly, it seems like it was Larry Brooks who I think broke the story the, a couple days ago that it was most likely going to push back to it at the earliest, the July 13th. Okay. So we could be more, more or less looking at July 13th All or right. some point later. Still, it's still right in that realm of where we were expecting it to be. You know, we're expecting it July 10th, July 13th, only three days later. It's not the worst thing in the world. And honestly, with everything that's going on, 
you kind of expect a little hiccup to happen here. And yeah, there. and look, we, we've waited this long. What's what's another three days? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right. It's not going to change much. Yeah, so, you know, we might end up sneaking another show here before camp actually starts, but that's all right. It's just, you know, more hockey to talk about. No problems. But we can talk a little bit about some of the details that have been, you know, kind of, I don't know if it's even leaked at this point, but kind of spilled by different uh, media sources out there. I saw Dave Pagnata of the fourth period uh, tweeting over the last couple of days just talking about some of the details. You know, for the longest time, we all thought that uh, the Eastern Conference teams were going to be playing in Vegas. We thought some teams are going to be playing in Vegas, and that's not even happening anymore. Right, and I mean, that's such a, a proof of how much things can change in such a short period of time. Las Vegas was the front runner for such a long time to host NHL games, and all of a sudden, Edmonton and Toronto, they are most likely going to be a site where we're seeing games, and the Islanders staying in the Eastern Conference at the very least. You won't have to stay up a couple extra hours to see right. if they're playing later at night, or you know they're playing in the afternoon there, which I guess would be... be early morning if you're playing an afternoon game in Las Vegas on, on the East Coast. So it might, it might have made things a little uh, quirky if they were out have there. Have they said anything yet about how they're going to stagger the games as far as timing during the day and how they're going to, you know, how many games they're going to have I, each I day? I haven't really heard much of that. Yeah. I mean, I think we've heard little bits and pieces of what may or may, ha- may, or may not happen. I think that's more or less kind of guesstimation. Yeah. But we haven't heard anything really official of what's going to happen as far as staggering. I kind of imagine it'd be like when you go to a high school basketball tournament or something. Okay. You know, you have your first game scheduled to start at like noon. Sure, And the sure. second one's supposed to start, supposed to in quotes, you know, at 3 <laughs> right. o'clock. But, right. of course, that game at noon is going into double overtime, so you have, like, the two teams standing on the side of the court watching and waiting to get on the ice. I kind of imagine that's going to be the case with the NHL a little bit. I'm sure it'll be staggered to uh, where they have that buffer buffer time, where they have that ability to make sure that no one's kind of waiting too long to get out on the ice. And also, the thing, too, you have to figure out, if, if this is the playoffs right, mm-hmm. how do you prevent that from a game from going to double, triple overtime, God forbid, and, and pushing right. back the start of other games? Yeah, that's an interesting thought, too. So it'll be, it's, it'll, it's, a, it's a lot of... It's not like they can just, you know, start no. on the other channel, right? <laughs> no, and there's, it's not, depending on where they see it, it's not like you can just say, hey, we're going to push you over right. there. But I guess the benefit, especially with Toronto... They mm-hmm. have two professional caliber buildings. Obviously, you have the Scotiabank Center, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs mm-hmm. home rink. And then I believe, I think it's called the MasterCard Center. Okay. Um, the, um, what I'm Some talking about is name. the uh, the Marley's home rink. The, their AHL affiliate is right. also in Toronto. Okay. And I don't think it's that far away from there. So they do have that option where you have a couple of arenas. Like, you can avoid that a little bit where, yeah. you know, the Islanders are playing the Panthers at noon. And then you have another, you know, the Rangers play the Carolina Hurricanes at three, and mm-hmm. you have them at one arena. You have the the uh, Islanders and um, Florida Panthers at a different <laughs> arena. Right, that's who they're I remember playing. which team I was talking about. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying there. Those cities are specifically picked because they do, I guess they have the capability to have multiple arenas that can host games in similar areas where you're not going to have that crossover where you're, preventing one team from getting on the ice for another 45 minutes when they expect it to be on. Yeah, but it's funny. Now that you mention that, you know, there's probably a lot of other, you know, things that fans and I guess just whomever's watching, whomever's involved, just take for granted, right, with with a normal, you know, just presenting of the playoffs. Like, we're going to see some more weird quirks like that come into play. Like oh, things 100%. That, you know, they're going to have to plan, plan ahead for that we're not even thinking about. And I, I think that's kind of why I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I'm not only because it's so nice to have hockey back, to have sports back, yeah, but because it's gonna be so weird. I mean, just look at the draft lottery. <laughs> right, Who would have expected that. Like I know, everyone's, uh, I know. We were talking. We went we went out to grab a bite before the start of the show. Yeah, we were talking about this, and I said, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, if you're a Detroit what Red Wings fan, like this was the year you're expecting to get a top, you know, three pick, and I think the Senators did. They have two picks in the first round, so they did. You know, they're yeah, not. They in the got worst the third shape. pick. But if you're Detroit, you're you're pretty pissed. If you rooted for Detroit and you watched that garbage, that tire fire for the entire season, <laughs> you're pissed. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. But uh, you know, but that's you have all these quirky things. Like no one would have saw that coming, right? Like, yeah. So they can only expect more in the playoffs with this weird format and, that they have going on. And there's almost an entertainment value just to that alone. Kind of what you were getting at. Like, not only are we going to be able to watch the games, watch hockey, it's going to be super weird. Nobody in the buildings. You know, uh, when when Tony and I did the last show, we were talking about you know, are they going to filter crowd noise into the into the TV feeds just right. to make it sound more natural? Or we, you know, are we going to be able to hear? 
you know, all the, the, the chatter on the ice, which probably wouldn't be a great idea. Well, it's you know? funny if you think about back in the in the bad old days when the Islanders were playing and in the mid-2000s when they were not good, or, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, mm-hmm. and you would, people would joke like, oh, you could – there was no people in the Nassau Coliseum. Oh, I remember. And you could hear the players on the ice. Yes. Now, think about it. There's literally no one now. If you could hear the conversations on yeah. the ice when there was only seven, 8,000 fans in the stands, imagine how much you're going to hear with nobody there. Yeah, and it's not like the league isn't going to be like going to the team and saying, all right, guys, no potty mouth out there. Everybody <laughs> be nice. Say nice things because you don't want to be heard. So I'm really curious how they're going to curb that sort of thing. But I think I think it's an opportunity, right? When you think about it, you look at how the NHL has marketed their players. They've done a terrible job. Absolutely terrible. There's yeah, so compared many, to other leagues, absolutely. There's so many good characters in the in NHL locker rooms that you would never know about if, if, if you weren't in there covering a team. And this is an opportunity where it's quirky. These guys, You're going to see these guys on the ice. You're going to be able to hear them. There's no hiding that fact. There's no way you can deny it. If, you have, if you're broadcasting this live, if you're broadcasting an NHL game, you're going to hear it. Even if you're not intending to, the microphones and the audio systems that they have that that help bring these games into people's homes are so sophisticated now i mean yeah you can hear all the you're you gonna know, hear the skates cutting on the ice you're gonna hear what barry trotz is telling matt barzal on, on the bench during a timeout so i mean yeah. you can only imagine what's gonna what's gonna be heard as the game's progressing but i think it's an opportunity to really get to know some of these guys really get to have some fun because there are a lot of characters we you know you really you like to hear the battle you like yeah. that inside um track that you don't really get from hockey and, and um and I know players probably not going to love it. They'll get used to it, but they're not going to love it. And certainly be an adjustment for everybody, that's for sure. Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, look, I'm just I'm just happy that, that it's coming back. And, it, look, I've been saying since there was, there was the tease of this stuff coming back is that as long as they can do it safe, it looks like they're going about it as, as best they can. And I know that there's still detractors out there. I see it on Twitter. There's some people that are still like, just shut it down. You know, just, just stop. And, you know... I can appreciate that. We're, we're living in a crazy time. We're right. living in a place where, you know, we want everybody to be healthy and safe. But, you know, I feel like they get these players into the bu- their bubbles and, 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 if you know, they might be able to do the right thing here and everybody can, can be healthy and safe. But, but, Christian, that went pretty fast, man. We got a break for Brian. So, folks, want to welcome you back to Hockey Night New York. Big welcome to Christian Arnold for joining the show as the new co-host. Uh, we're, we're going here all the way out through these, this return to play, through the playoffs, and we'll see what happens after that with the break before next season. But Hockey Night New York is back. We want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back. The only thing better than a great Long Island deli is a great Long Island deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels, along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying... Yes, yes, yes. Looking for great Islanders content on the web? Islanders Insight has you covered. Islanders Insight provides top flight analysis and the latest news from inside the locker room and behind the scenes. Whether it's progress at Belmont, trades, injuries, hirings, firings, or signings, Islanders Insight is on top of it all with an excellent staff of writers featuring Hockey Night New York's own Christian Arnold. So head on over to islandersinsight.com and stay up to date on all things Islanders. Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Right now joining us from NHL.com is Mr. Brian Compton. Brian, welcome back, buddy. How you doing, pal? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing well. Great to have you back on the show. And your good buddy Christian is here, man. Say hello. 
I don't know anybody by that. <laughs> oh, hello, Brian Compton. <laughs> Hi, Christian. We How are you? We couldn't get Andrew Gross or Arthur. They were busy today. Is that what happened here? Yeah, I, I tried yeah. them twice each first, and uh, it just didn't work out. Right. But Brian's well, here, man. Nice to see. It's nice to see you're allowed up past nine o'clock. <laughs> I was waiting for that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Brian, welcome back. Uh, exciting times here if you're a hockey fan because it looks like we're getting closer and closer to a little return to play. Training camp is is mere days away, with uh, barring any hiccups. So, I guess we'll start there and just you know, what are your thoughts in this whole situation here? with the fact that we might be seeing hockey soon, and even though it might be weird hockey, um, just what do you think about this all coming back? Yeah, fingers crossed, brother. It's been uh, it's been really rough with, without any sports, really, since, this, since everything started back in March. So um, fingers crossed that everything goes through. Um, hopefully uh, yeah, a part of this is that the CBA get, gets extended for another four years, which is fantastic. It's, it's great to see. Um, everybody working cohesively. I mean, the, the amount of work that is that I imagine has has gone on over the past couple of months to, to see this come to fruition, uh, it's it's off the chart. So hopefully everything goes through here and we we can see some hockey again. It's certainly it's certainly an exciting prospect, Brian. Obviously, um, one of the exciting things is you have both the New York hockey teams in the postseason and in the Islanders specifically here going up basically a rematch of the 2016 playoffs against the Florida Panthers. Sands. Uh, one particular player who wore number 91 that year. But it should be another exciting Oh, I thought you were talking about Alan Quine. (laughs) I mean, hey, he was a huge part of that win, that series win. He was. Which is insane when you think about it. Thomas Grice, Alan Quine, and uh, someone with Quine and Thomas Hickey, man. Hickey was a big hero in that series. He was. Yeah. But just the excitement to have that back. Brian, what do you anticipate once these these play-in series get going to what what kind of hockey are we going to see for those first couple games? I think the the best part is that we have no idea what to expect. <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 as talented as all these players are, and I know that the Islanders beat these guys three times during their regular season, which seems like five years ago, to be <laughs> honest. Um, I don't think anybody knows. I mean, look, we know who the great teams were during the regular season. Is it uh, you know, a slam dunk that the Bruins or the Lightning are going to win it all? I don't think so. No. Um, and I and I think honestly, I think the Rangers are going to beat Carolina. I might be in the minority, but I'm a little um, worried. Yeah. Yeah. If if Shesterkin gets the nod, I mean, he was so good before he got injured. Um, they had a lot of young players take the next step. Panarin was phenomenal since day one. Um, but I think, like I was saying, I just there's no. You can't go off anything that happened during the regular season because it was so long ago and everybody's healthy now. Um, the Islanders are obviously going to get a huge boost with, with Adam Pellick being able to play and Sezik is coming back. And thank God Johnny Boychuk is okay after what happened with him. So um, th- we have no idea what these games are going to be like. And I think that's the best part about this whole thing, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. And, you know, just just looking at this Islander lineup, you know, going up against the Panthers here, I mean, obviously it's kind of league-wide. Most teams are either close to healthy, healthy, whatever the case may be. But, you know, you mentioned guys like, you know, Pelican, Sezik is coming back. And, you know, for the first time, I think we're going to see this, you know, one through four center lineup, this, this depth at center that we haven't seen since acquiring Pajot at the trade deadline. And, you know, is that going to be a big advantage for this Islander team playing against the Panthers once they get this thing started? It's certainly it's going to help for sure. Um, and I, I brought this up to, to Lou and Barry, uh, you know, what, having conversations with them since this all started. But, um, you know, we never got to see one through four at, at center because Casey was injured. Right. right. And, um, you know, to have all four of those guys healthy, um, the teams that go far in the playoffs are the ones that are deep down the middle historically. Just look at it. You know, last year uh, with the Blues, you know, the Penguins were deep down the middle with Crosby and Malkin and, and Nick Benino and Matt Cullen. I mean, those are the teams that, that win um, in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I know the Islanders didn't win a game after they got Pajot. If, if you're pinning the blame on him, I mean, come on. I mean, it, it, that's just ridiculous. Well, it's, they, the team... <laughs> it's funny because I was just going to ask you, if if the Islanders happen to get swept in three and it becomes ten straight <laughs> losses saying, with Pajot dude, in the lineup... I am logging off. I am logging is, off for three I mean, is, is it pretty much just fan-mandated at that point that Lou's got to trade him immediately once the, the trading opens in the summer? <laughs> 
Does he have a no trade? I don't know if he does or not. I don't know. That, but, I, I, but certainly the tweets will be nonstop that it's time. Oh, my God. He's, he's, he's the Antichrist or whatever they're going to tell me. But um, <laughs> look, like I was saying, those are the teams that are successful, the ones that are deep down the middle. And, um, you know, having really eight pretty good solid defensemen. I mean, because Andy Green might not even play now with that right. coming back. And Thomas Hickey isn't, isn't going to play, probably, right? So um, if somebody goes down early in that series, they have a lot of depth, and that's your goal well for them here moving forward. We're talking with Brian Compton from NHL.com, also McRib aficionado and a Kiss lover as well. <laughs> Boo. Yeah, Kiss is terrible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, guys, I got to go. Thanks for it's been great, Brian. Appreciate it. But, Brian, <laughs> it's funny. So you did mention the defensive depth, which was, which was interesting because I remember we were talking with Scott Mayfield, I want to say it was a couple of weeks ago, during a conference call, and he I mentioned that he's always felt that the Islanders have, have had a lot of depth, even when he was when he first got here. I found that comment really interesting because I, I think a lot of fans, and I'm sure a lot of observers like ourselves, would kind of question that. I was curious where you felt on the Islanders' depth, not only this season, but historically as well, uh, going back and in, in context what Scott Mayfield was saying a couple of weeks ago, even to when he first got here. I found that comment very interesting. Well, defensively, Christian, yes. they've never been this deep. They've never been this deep. I mean, when you think about it, when I was talking to Barry a month or two ago, he was saying that Noah Dobson is, was banging on the door to play every night, even when everybody was back and healthy. So Scott Mayfield's a guy, and he, I know he brought it up there in that conversation that you guys had with him, that he's got to be ready from day one of camp and, and yeah. through that, you know, you're like going in that series. Because if he doesn't perform, Noah Dobson's going to play. I mean, I just don't see any... And the same thing goes with, the, I'm sure you guys are going to bring up the goaltending too. Same thing with, with Barlamov, who I think is going to get the nod here for game one. Um, but if he falters in a, in a best of five, I mean, are you really just going to keep rolling with Barlamov when Grice has been pretty good against the Florida Panthers historically too? So a um, lot of questions here, but getting back to your original question, uh, I mean, I've been covering these guys for about 10 years now. They have never, ever, ever been this deep on the blue line. No way. And I, and I think it's such a fascinating point, too, now with the Islanders. You, you mentioned they, they get Andy Green. We don't even know if he's going to play. That was such a big acquisition right. at the time when, when they made that trade. I mean, they were in the middle of that West Coast road trip, and things were not going well for the Islanders. They would go on and lose all four games on that trip, and that, that, was, that looked like such a needed trade. But you look now, and look, like you were saying, the Islanders are pretty deep on the, on the blue line, and now it becomes a question of who are your defensemen? Who, who are the, the six guys that are going out there and playing in the playoffs? And... And B comp, if you're Barry Trotz, I'm gonna put you on the spot here a little bit. If you're Barry Trotz, who's going out there? Who's your starting six defenseman going into the playoff series with the Florida Panthers? Uh, in the preview that I had, I had um, Pellick and Pollock, and then Taze and Mayfield, and then Letty and Boychuk. You know, on the left side, Pellick and and uh, and Letty are, are slam dunks, and probably yeah. Taze for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, but then, like the uh, as the depth goes. Um, you got two lefties in, in Hickey um, and Andy Green, and then you have Noah Dobson. Um, you know, if if, if Boychuk or like I was saying, if, if Mayfield doesn't perform, you know Pollock's playing every night, no matter what. Um, but if if one of those other righties doesn't perform, Noah Dobson might play in a, in, in a specified, and it's great experience for him too. Moving forward, as only a twenty year old kid. Yeah, and it's definitely nice to have, you know, a backup plan with those guys, you know, if and when, you know, things do go go south quick. And that, I think, is going to, you know, you kind of said it already, like, what an interesting dynamic it's going to be with the shortened five games. Like, there's really no time to dilly-dally, right? Like, if somebody's not going, they got to make a quick decision, you know, whether it is Varlamov, whether it is one of these defensemen. So, at least it's good that they're going to have these guys, you know, in place and, and ready to go and healthy if, if uh, somebody's not performing the way they should. But, you know, you mentioned goaltending, Brian, and I don't think we could let you go before we start talking about a certain goaltender that Islander fans, and myself included, just want to know what the hell is going to happen with this guy. Now, there's been some some teasing here and there. It's looking good. It's not looking so good. And we still, you know, with even though we're getting a lot of information coming out about the, the CBA and, and, and what may come down the pike here with the agreement with for the return to play and everything... It sounds like we haven't gotten any update on, on these, these Russian players who, who want to come over, particularly Ilya Sorokin. Um, yeah. Any chance this guy, you know, even if he can't play, maybe just sign in that ELC to burn the, burn the year so that he can at least be Islanders' property going forward? 
Well, I think this is the biggest headache for Lou because this was a formality a couple of months ago. Um, yeah. And he was ne- and he was never going to play for them in the playoffs anyway, which makes it worse. Right. Um, but I but I my guess and this is just a guess and I'm going to get killed if this doesn't happen. My guess is that <laughs> he'll be allowed to sign but won't be eligible to play. Which is fine with them because, like I was saying, he was never going to play for them anyway. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that sounds perfect to me. And yeah, I just I'm I'm at a loss as to why this has even become a thing. Now I don't know, you know, how much you can really comment on it, but you know, just the fact that this change was even presented because you know prior to this year, you know, it was kind of just normal and accepted, like these guys can sign and and it is what it is. And I'm just kind of surprised that you know, there's such a big hubbub about it and there's a, there's a potential to not even get these guys signed under the circumstances you're talking about. You know, I don't see what the big deal is if, if, if they just don't, aren't allowed to play. I, I'm just really surprised that, you know, we're, we're this late in the game with this, with this agreement being ratified that we still don't know whether or not these players are going to be able to sign a contract. Yeah, Shoney, I it's not even that I can't comment. I, I honestly don't know. Like, I have no... That's so above my pay grade. <laughs> I, I, just, I just have no... I don't know what it is. Um, I'm not even. I can't even remember if KHL players weren't allowed to play until after the first round because I know college kids could right away once their seasons were over. Right. I don't know if it's. Beca- I don't know if it's if it's because of that because they're basically starting with this cup qualifier and it's not the second round. I I honestly don't know what it is. Um, we're gonna find out within the next couple of days for sure what what the ultimate decision is. Um, and getting back to what I was saying earlier, I think you're ultimately gonna see. Um, that he's allowed to sign, but just won't be eligible for this return to play plan. Talking with Brian Compton from NHL.com. You can follow him on Twitter at BComptonNHL. is definitely a worthwhile file. follow. It's the nice thing I'll say about him all night. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. And this is recorded. Yeah. Yeah, there's no going back on that, Brian. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's on the record. <laughs> I mean, we could edit it in post. I mean, let's be honest. We could, we could take it out. <laughs> but, but Brian, we wouldn't be talking about the Islanders if we weren't also talking about the Nassau Coliseum. And of course Ah. we haven't, we couldn't even get through a pandemic without some chaos (laughs) with the Nassau Coliseum. And of course, a couple, couple weeks ago, as everyone I'm sure has seen by now, um, the Nassau Coliseum closed by their, uh, the operator, Oxium sports and entertainment, I believe owned by Mm -hmm. uh, Russian billionaire, Mikhail Prokhorov, former Mm -hmm. owner of the Nets. And Brian, now the Islanders are, if we have a regular season at a, when I say regular, I mean a normal season next year. It's some in some facsimile. The Islanders most likely could need a, a new home to play. Obviously, Barclays Center is t- potentially an option to go back to. Maybe the the Coliseum. Something gets worked out with them, Brian. But I, I mean, are you just surprised? Is there a surprise anymore when this stuff kind of comes out at this no. point? <laughs> no, no, of course not. There had to be one more soap opera before. It's unbelievable. You know that, buddy. Oh, yeah, it really. It's, it's just, it's such a circus. It always has been. Um, there's so much power involved. I just, I can't believe that they won't figure it out. Whether somebody picks up, whatever, somebody picks up the tab, right. the county <laughs> chips much. in. Yeah, I mean, something's going to happen where I think that they're going to play at the Coliseum next season. Um, and if they don't, then they play at Barclays for one year. It's not the end of the world. Um, I, I know you can't really drive there, but it's easily accessible via mass transit. Um, what about the sight lines, play- Brian? <laughs> yeah, <and the> <laughs> Have you heard I, anything I about those? <laughs> yeah, don't don't forget about the scoreboard. Um, look, it has its quirks. We know that. Um, it's not built for hockey. We know that. Um, when the team is good and they're winning games, nobody cares where the scoreboard is. Right. Nobody cares about the obstructed views. We've been through this a million times. If they have to play there one more season, um, <laughs> you, you're going to have the horror. Yeah. yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, you know that they're going to Belmont. Um, I actually drove past it the other day. I can't believe the amount of work that's already gone on there. It's, it's, it's great to see. So, um, if they have to play in Brooklyn for a year, you're going to Belmont ultimately, and that's that's the crux of it. But I do think um, when push comes to shove, they're going to figure it out and just finish uh, at the National Coliseum. That's my guess. It's a great point, too. And when you think about it, we're also assuming that there's going to be fans in the stands next season. We don't even know if that's a guarantee, considering yeah, considering we don't. the circumstances. Yeah, if people keep going to the beach and partying it up, um, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> well, Brian, stay home next time and get off the beach. That's, that's, that's right. as simple as that. <laughs> and deprive everybody of my dad bod? I don't want to do that. Uh, 
embarrassed. Yes. I'm sure your kids were bright red with embarrassment for that. <laughs> well, Brian, it is always a pleasure having you on the show. Great having you back with uh, Christian's debut show. I mean, how special is that? You're here for the first one. So <laughs> thanks so much for being yeah, here, I mean, man. Sorry, go ahead. Times in 30 minutes. You, you guys better wrap this up quick. <laughs> we, we're, we're doing it right now so buddy <laughs> so uh, glad i'm here for this so pal really really appreciate you coming on man looking forward to having you back and, and just great to be talking hockey with you again man likewise good luck fellas with the show thanks Always a lot brian appreciate take it, brian. care have a great rest of your night okay see ya all right folks that was none other than brian compton of nhl.com the deputy managing editor for nhl.com and the train rolls on here so christian let's i want to talk continue talking about this nashville coliseum situation now that you oh, brought it, I, up. it is fascinating I, I didn't i didn't want to bring everyone down i but i always find this stuff really fun hey, to talk hey, about look it's it's current events yes. and it's it's the islanders and this is an islanders show it is so we got to cover it <laughs> and <laughs> And look, I'll just say this. I'm pretty sure, and this is nothing more than a feeling. I don't have any inside information, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be at the Coliseum next year, next season. I I agree with you I think they have plenty of time to work something out. You know, you already have the county coming out and saying something about it. And just because it's in some sort of flux, at least publicly right now, I think behind the scenes they're going to figure something out. And, and look, even if they don't have somebody taking over full operations and they have any other events, and like you said, especially if there aren't even going to be fans in the right. building. It doesn't even matter. Just turn point. the lights on, right. bring the teams in, have them play. I don't see any problem with that. I don't think anybody needs to get worked up and scared about the Barclays Center. I know that right. everybody is dreading going back there. You know, I have no interest in going back there either. Like Brian said, if you must... They will, but right. they're not going to be homeless next season. No, they're going to play the, hockey. The the difference here, right, is that is such a different situation than when you're talking about a couple of years ago when there was no Belmonts, there was no plan even for a potential construction anywhere outside of maybe going back to Nassau Coliseum since they renovated, um, just because the, the local politicians were making a lot of noise. So it, it's such a different situation. It's one season, and and like like you said. I mean, we don't we don't know if there's even going to be fans next season. The right. one the one tell I think that is there that they're most likely going back to Nassau Coliseum is Laura Curran, who's the county executive. Nassau yeah. County was on ten ten wins um, about a, a week or two ago, and no, it, I'm surprised it didn't get as picked up as much as it did. Newsday did a short story, and of mm-hmm. course Islanders Insight was on top of it, hundred percent, and naturally, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> Wonderful plug there. I almost spit my water out. <laughs> yeah, for folks, if, if you don't know, Christian Christian is a is a, is a member. We'll say of managing of editor. Oh, sorry. I, I guess I could have given you your title. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why I almost spit water all over the console here, and the, and the show is almost over. But Christian, I apologize. Proceed. But Laura Kern was on ten ten wins, and and she was asked about it, and she said um, basically to the effect that she is a positive person, and that she's feeling that something's going to happen. And that there's been a lot of big, big talks about getting the um, Islanders back to Nassau Coliseum, or that the Islanders are playing at Nassau Coliseum. And of course, you don't go and say that without some sort of reasoning. You know, yeah. that's that's a pretty big thing to say if you're not saying like, "Oh, we're working on." Um, we're working on getting something done. Also, you have to look at how much the governor's office has been involved in this entire project. Governor right. Cuomo, uh, I, mean, I mean, we're also getting a little into state politics here, but, you know, to kind of shorten it up, if you look at Governor Cuomo's track history, say what you want about him as a politician. When he puts his his support behind something, nine times out of ten, it's going to get done. And yeah, he makes sure to drive it home. Right, and obviously— And he's had his name all over yes. Belmont. And I think that the, what happened— if in a good way for the Islanders, maybe not necessarily for the region, but a good thing for the Islanders is one that Amazon deal fell through in Long Island City. That was a big embarrassment for Governor Cuomo and his administration yeah, in the true. state of New York. Yep. So Belmont is a very high-profile, high big project in this area, right. and he has had his fingerprints on every aspect of it. You're not going to tell oh, me his is... office is not involved in getting something worked out right now. Yeah, because he not only has he not been shy about being involved in Belmont, but, I mean, he loved telling everybody how he was getting the Islanders back at the Coliseum. 
Oh, you know? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Right. And he, so to have the rug pulled out from under him here, I don't right. think he's going to let I mean, that happen too easily. He came all the way to Lassau Coliseum on January 29th to make that announcement in right. this cramped little press conference room in the, in the basement of the arena the same night that the same afternoon that uh, Butch Goring is getting his number retired. And I mean, that was the bigger story that day. It was such right. a big momentum shift. And it was something we all kind of saw coming. But still, for the governor to be there to announce something that was so obvious and amid right actually it's kind of funny when you think back to that it's right as the pandemic was starting to hit you know that was the first day that new york state was allowed to test covid cases through state laboratories he made that announcement at the nassau coliseum at this at this press conference so even even in the midst of a lot of chaos he's still been very much involved with the nassau coliseum project and the islanders belmont project right and and just to to put a put a bow on this whole thing i mean as you guys said during brian compton's segment just what a saga. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, I know that the cliche you can't make this stuff up is, really is overused left and right. I mean, in this situation, it's just completely true. You cannot make it up. When you, when you go from when they were starting to talk, you just think about, you know, building a new arena. I mean, I think that started back in the 90s where they were talking about replacing that building. I mean, back when there was a completely different cast of characters involved, and for one reason or another, it couldn't happen, and, and everybody knows what's happened since then. And the fact that we're here and all these dominoes just fell into place for Belmont to be happening, that still blows my mind. I don't think I will ever just come to – like, I'm, I feel like I'm just going to be, you know, uh, red-pilled one day and, and I'm going to wake up from the Matrix and find out that the Belmont project actually isn't happening because it just seems too good to be true to me. You're going to drive down the um, – what is that? The cro- uh, Not the Cross Island. No, it's Cross Island. You're going to drive down the Cross Island. The construction is not, not going to be happening. Right. There's just going to be some tumbleweeds <laughs> yeah. blowing across, you know. <laughs> the Coliseum will be demolished and, right. you know, there'll be some team out in Kansas City or something like that. But, you know, somebody – has has a great opportunity to write a nice little book about this saga. I mean, hint, hint, you know, wink, wink, Nick Hershon. Right, Or yeah. somebody of his ilk. He's been on top of this. Because. All, uh, day one. I mean, just to put those in between a, a cover and, a, and an end here, just I, the way this thing started and, and everything it went through, and, and now we're just over a year away, barring any other unexpected hurdles, which I guess could happen, but they won't. But, I mean, look, we're almost there. We're almost closing the book on this whole thing. And, 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 and it never has to enter an Islander fan's consciousness again. Where is this home going to – where is their home going to be? Right. Where are they going to play? You can just finally worry about what's happening on the ice. And you can curse Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz and <laughs> whomever else when the time comes. But, yeah, I mean, God, let's just – I just can't wait to exhale on this whole thing. I, mean, it, I, I laughed my ass off when I saw that headline. Like, that was my, my genuine first reaction was when I saw the news about, you know, was, shutting down the Coliseum. I couldn't help but laugh. Like, of course. Of course that's happening. It, it is amazing. With everything going on, that was, I mean, it was shocking, but it wasn't. And I'm sure that there was some kind of play to get a better deal. The Nassau County has a very good good deal in that in that lease. So this owner who runs the arena doesn't really get a lot of benefit there. And with another building right down the street coming coming in a year, it's not a lot of positive for Prokhorov and his group to to run that building, especially since that's really his last asset in this area. Right. And and look, I threw out there a thought, and, and I have no idea the inner workings of everything that's going on. I mean, there's probably somebody who does who, who if they heard my idea, they'd be like, yeah, no chance of that happening. But I was like, hey, <laughs> you know, what if the Islanders, you know, proposed something to these guys and said, we'll take over the Coliseum? You know, and maybe once the Islanders move to Belmont, put the Tigers there. You know, move them over from Connecticut, from Bridgeport. You have your you have your farm team down the block, literally on the same right. street. <laughs> you know, and and look, that'll make emergency call ups a, a really easy thing. You know, and obviously everybody will be by the practice facility. I mean, look, this is very maybe very pie in the sky, but it just sounds like a great thing yeah. that would be nice if if they could do it. I think that's kind of pie in the sky, especially yeah. when you're when you think about it, if you're operating a building of that size, you still need to fill a lot of other dates. And right. there's only so many places that Disney on Ice is going to play, and there's only so many places <laughs> yeah. Monster Jam is going to go. So yeah. it's it's a financially well, it's tough to do. Plus, the Islanders and the, the, their ownership group are kind of dug in deep in, in yeah. Bridgeport a bit. So I don't think they're really going anywhere or moving the Sound Tigers, at least for the time being, yeah. from where they are in Bridgeport. It's a nice facility up there, and every year they do commit to getting the Islanders up there and playing a preseason game, which right. is always sold out. And depending on who they're playing, and there's a decent amount of visiting fans as well in the crowd. 
Yeah, that's true. So it, it just wouldn't make a lot of sense in the long run. Maybe not. Maybe not. Just a thought. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to be able to catch a Tigers game, you know, not too far from where the Islanders play. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. <laughs> so with that out of the way, Christian, why don't we touch real quick. We'll, we'll finish up uh, the CBA, and then we'll move on from there. So, you know, we were talking about the sites, right, how it's going to be Edmonton and Toronto and initially, most we, likely, okay. everything's very fair fluid. enough. It just, just to be clear, right? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. A lot of things change in, in a heartbeat with this whole situation, but we will assume that those are going to be the sites. Now, initially, the it came out that whatever the sites were going to be, they were going to try to flip flop east and west so that no team had a chance of playing in their home building, right? You know, for whatever home ice advantage that would provide without fans in the seats. You know, I guess just being familiar with the facility and maybe with the quirks on the ice and the boards. I mean, I mean, whatever it is, it's minimal. But, you know, it is funny. I mean, there were some people that were like, yeah, what happened to that? Now Toronto is going to have, you know, home ice advantage and vice versa for Edmonton. But, I mean, like, if it really comes down to something like that, like right. you probably don't deserve to win your series anyway. <laughs> you know, it's, if you're playing Toronto or Edmonton and you lose and you're going to blame it on that, I don't know what to tell you. It's such – I mean – I don't. I think home ice is an important thing in in, the, in hockey, and maybe hockey is one of the few sports where I think home field, home ice, however you want to put it, advantage really still exists. Yeah. Um, but even so, at this point, everyone's playing in an empty arena. You, I mean, maybe you have a better idea of how the boards bounce. Maybe you have a better idea of the puck bounces against the boards. I should say. Uh, maybe you just have a little more comfortability in your own home rink, but. I mean, at the same time, I don't think it's that much of an advantage. Like, you're not, you're not, you don't have the crowd behind you, you don't have the atmosphere behind you. Right. So it's a different feeling. Also, we're seeing a lot now of, of how these protocols are being put in place and mm. some more information c- keeps coming out. And uh, Frank Saravelli does a great job for TSN um, tweeting out a few minutes ago that the list of people that are being tested daily, so they're going to be daily, doing daily tests in, okay. the, in the bubble. Uh, includes players, coaching, staff members, officials, ice crew, security, hotel bartenders, food service staff, arena, food and beverage, hotel housekeeping, hotel kitchen staff, and the transportation staff. Too long didn't read everybody? So, yes. <laughs> Literally <laughs> right? everybody is being tested. I mean, and that's the way it should be. They have to. They have to. Uh, look, we saw what came out with St. Louis the other day, yes. right? We were talking about this before as well. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, crazy. Apparently, a couple of players went. I, I haven't read up on it in the last day or two since it came out, but the last I saw, apparently, a few players went to a bar. A coach was involved, and they all tested positive. So, you know, that's not a good start. <laughs> and you know, I know that. Look, I'm sure it's it's not going to be easy for everybody involved to stay in their bubbles. Right. And it's going to be difficult. Nobody wants to be in that situation where they're forced to stay somewhere and not be able to go here, there, or everywhere. But if they're going to make this work, they're going to have to commit, and they're going to have to commit to this bubble situation where. You're in your hotel room, you're in your locker room, you're on the ice, and not really much else. It's 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 tough, and I think we're starting to see it now with, with some of these other leagues. Obviously, Major League Soccer is coming back this week, like we, like I mentioned earlier. they A lot of their teams are already in the bubble. Um, you have the Women's Soccer League out in Utah. They're in their own bubble out there doing a tournament mm-hmm. that started last weekend. Yeah. Um, so you're starting to get a sense of how it's going to work, and you're starting to see it. Um, also an interesting note too, uh, according to the phase four protocol, uh, families would be allowed to join, uh, for the conference final and Stanley cup oh, final, boy. uh, I don't know how I feel about that in Edmonton and will will be allowed to share hotel rooms. That means players advancing will go a minimum of five weeks away from their families. Interesting. I mean, that's Which, great for would, the but players. But that was such a big sticking point, too. I'm sure that was something that the league yeah, in, they didn't want in to their be away negotiations from their was long. part of something yeah. they had to concede because that was one thing you heard that more, especially from John Tavares, who was part right. of that, that committee to kind of get things back. And he, he was, I think, one of the first guys to publicly say that's something that's on the player's mind. And understandably so. Like, yes, these are professional athletes, and yes, they make a ton of money, but at the same time, they're also human beings. They do genuinely care about their families, and they do, do genuinely want to be around them. I mean, you know, you look at some of the Islanders. Josh Bailey just had a, a child recently during the pandemic. Anders Lee had a child recently during the pandemic. Yeah. Um. So being away from them, especially for those guys, if the Islanders make it that far, that's got to be really tough on, on those players. Even guys with, with kids, you know, who are a little bit older. That's yeah. a tough ask. And, you got to remember these people are human yeah. beings, you know? 
And that's that's the thing. I think yeah. we get so caught up in wow, we just we just want hockey back. We just want right. to see get sports. out there and play. <laughs> you kind of lose that, like wow, like even even with baseball and and some of these other sports where these guys are opting out or they didn't feel comfortable going back and they were being genuine about it and public about it. The yeah. people were just like, well, you make millions of dollars and you're healthy, so just go out and play. And to note on that, one little nugget that did come out today in in Bob McKenzie's tweeting of information. <laughs> was that there is now a deadline for players to opt out. They have yes. until Tuesday at 5 p.m. They can opt out without penalty, and I'm kind of curious to see if we see anybody step up and say, I don't feel comfortable, I'm out. We've been granted, at least I can speak on behalf of those who cover the Islanders, we've been granted, they've, you know, Andrew Gross and Arthur Staple and Brian Compton, all of them have been, have, I think, spoke to more players during the pandemic than I have, but mm-hmm. the, the Zoom conference calls and stuff we've had recently a lot of these guys, at least from the players we talked to, was Josh Bailey and Scott Mayfield. They seem pretty comfortable with with the situation. You know, um, they've kind of adjusted to what life has to be. You know, washing your hands, hand sanitizer, face masks, and I think you're kind of seeing everyone adjust to that. And if you're comfortable with it, and you're not going to have an issue. And I think a lot of these guys, especially, I want to go out and play. Um, I think the maybe I don't want to say turning point, but maybe the first time I felt some of these players might be a little hesitant to go back was the Tampa Bay lightning incident a right. couple of weeks ago yeah. where you had a couple of players test positive. You had, I think it was team staff that tested positive too, and they shut down the, the arena and it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great start because I think it was right when they started phase two. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't a great start to, all right, we can get, get out there. We'll be safe and everything's fine. And then you have that happen. And obviously the situation with the blues recently doesn't bode well too. So there is now, I would say, I'm sure there's a few more guys who are a little nervous, but I, I think overwhelmingly from what I take away from just a few conversations, I think there are a lot of players that just want to get out on the ice and just want to play again because they're, they're you know, I think like a lot of other people, they just want some sense of normalcy. Yeah. Well, look, as long as they're comfortable with it, that's good for me. So, Christian, let's take one more short break here. And then we'll, we'll continue it, and then uh, we'll wrap this thing up. So, folks, I want to thank you again for listening to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back. When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. If orange and blue are your team colors, visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. Yes Men Outfitters, stick to the system. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Hockey Night in New York with Shawnee and C. Arnold. So, folks, (laughs) let's keep it going here. Let's keep the train rolling. Just a few more nuggets on the CBA, and then we'll dive into the draft lottery. And then we will talk about Islanders Panthers. And then we'll wrap this thing up, this Christian Arnold debut. Uh, I'm still grading his effort here. We'll see how the rest of the show goes. And we'll see if it's a pass or fail. And, and we'll go from there, folks. You can chime. <laughs> I thought it's been an A-plus performance. <laughs> well, that's a biased me. opinion. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Excuse so. me, sir. I'm an obje- objective journalist. I, uh, I take don't know great offense that. to that. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're offended because that's what I was going for. <laughs> All right, folks, so just a couple of things I want to rattle off. We won't, we won't harp too much longer on this CBA thing. I think we covered most of it. But just a couple, couple of interesting points, if you guys haven't seen it yourselves. They're looking at a four-year extension through 25-26 with a one-year option. The, the most exciting thing to me that I've seen so far, at least one of them, is that they are going to be back at the Olympics, which I think is great. The, the next two Winter Olympics, the, the, Islander, the Islanders, the NHL, players will yes. be will be back so i think that's pretty great and there, sh- there should be a f- one or two islanders on those teams so <laughs> like there was some <laughs> connection there christian i appreciate the backup <laughs> you know what the grade just went up <laughs> i'm trying i'm really am fantastic all right so you got that the one bit of bad news if you're an islander fan is 
they, it looks like they're going to cap the cap at eight, 81 and a half for the next two seasons. And Which is it's tough. But that's also, I think, why the Sorokin thing has kind of become such a big issue now. Is One of the reasons. You're basically you're coming in here, and he's going to burn a year, and that's fine. I think that's what he wants to do. I don't know if that's why the Islanders really want to play, but he burns that year, and now they have to negotiate essentially, I don't want to say a real contract, but one that's going to have a lot of, you know, there's going to be some extra cash, and it's not like the Islanders have a lot of flexibility with their cap at the moment. So I think that's also kind of a big issue in the moment. Yeah, and that was just something that was going to happen regardless of what was going on with the right. cap. I mean, it's been pretty much understood that Sorokin wasn't coming over here to play for $900,000. Right. You know, like, it's like, okay, let's get the formality out of, formality out of the way and... And, you know, sign me to a to a real contract. But I think the expectation when Lula Amaral says early in the year, oh, he's coming, yeah. that there's no, there's no pandemic, there's no salary, course, yeah. there's no salary cap that really doesn't increase at all. Yeah. So there's the thought of, all right, we'll have a little flexibility, we can make some maneuvers, and it'll be fine. Now it's mm-hmm. a little bit more of a cap crunch. Yeah, and there's some details on the escrow numbers. I don't care about that. I don't think anybody else does. That doesn't affect us. <laughs> but <laughs> it is exciting to see, to hear, like, NHL players back in the Olympics. It's so, I, it, oh, even, yeah. even as someone who I don't necessarily think they need to go to the Olympics, I don't think it really... I'm I'm talking completely from an observer standpoint. You yeah. Know, just I, as a fan. Like, I look, I'll watch the Winter Olympics, the sure. hockey, no matter what. But I'd much rather see the best of the best playing the best of the best rather than these are the guys we were allowed to send. I mean, it's still. You know, I think it's still a pretty entertaining tournament, nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. I, and I think I've always, as much of a player's side, I usually take it in in these instances. I do see the owner's point. I've never, no one's ever really been able to show me proof that the NHL's participation in the Olympics helps promote the National Hockey League. And if you're an owner and you're essentially saying, "All right, I still got to pay insurance on this guy for these two weeks oh, where yeah. he could get hurt," well, look at what happened at number ninety one. Exactly. It's a great point. I mean, the Islanders were cooked at that point in the season. Let's not pretend like him not him being healthy would, sure, help, would help. But still. But it was it was a rough blow, and that's exactly why the owners are hesitant to have their players go there. Now, right. for the players, I totally understand why they want to go, and it, it kind of works out. They found a way to get that back in. Yeah, good for them. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. I'm glad. And it, it, yeah. I think that was something they really, really wanted, and obviously, and that they, they fought tooth and nail to get. And the last interesting bit of information I saw coming out from Dave Pagnata at the fourth period was the no trade clauses and no movement clauses will remain intact even if a player accepts a trade. So now, leading up to this potential agreement, if if a player waived their no trade clause, that's it. It was done. So now it's going to follow the player wherever they go, which is obviously a big win for the Players Association. And I guess it'll be interesting to see how that affects future moves going forward. Oh, it, it certainly throws in an interesting wrinkle. But, yeah, again, you look at how the players have, I don't want to say taken advantage, but they've they've found a way to get a lot, I think, a lot of things that they really want. Obviously, this whole thing with players coming over was something, uh, you know, to join in the playoffs, kind of not something they've been able to win, but I think they've they've gained a lot of ground in a lot of other areas. Obviously, the escrow and the financial aspect is, is a big part of it, too. But, I, I mean... It's exciting to see the NHL have some sense of labor peace, right? Like, when was the last time we really yeah. felt secure with going into a potential lockout year a couple of years down the line? You usually feel nauseated and sick. <laughs> right. And just, like, throwing up because you know the lockout, some some form of lockout is coming. Yeah, they can and I never feel like it out. And every next agreement that they make, once they tell you when the agreement ends, you're, you're counting on your fingers, okay, we got four, five, six, eight years until the next right. lockout. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, then that, and that's the way the NHL has always been. And for the first time, base, and that's funny, Batman. and funny, though, you look at baseball, baseball's always been the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Everyone, Baseball's always been able to get their labor agreements done pretty quickly and quietly. Yeah. And now you I'll take your word for it because I don't pay. And now they have a lot of the (laughs) issues, especially this year, trying to get a season going with right and negotiating a lot of stuff. And it's not. And they just had a big player opt out, right? I think so. Yeah, Price. I think his name is David Price or something like that. Don't quote me because (laughs) I'm not a baseball fan. But I saw something on Twitter. But my point being is, you're starting to see a shift. The NHL for the first time, like I said, you really there's a sense of optimism. All right, we they got a CBA in place, and you feel comfortable about it, and you feel like. This is a you're seeing a lot of positive momentum for the two sides to work, and I think they both kind of realized. And we, like we were talking about this before the show, I think we they started to realize they need to play, they need to figure yeah, this out, and they absolutely. need to work together. They're not 
They're the losing money hand over fist right now. They're not the yeah. NFL. They cannot afford lockouts, especially in this climate. They can't afford to not play, and they can't afford not to have right. all the financial benefits that come along with it. Yeah, and, and during that conversation before the show, like I said, that's why I think the, the league has just been so stubborn about yeah. getting this going. And, and look, I remember, geez, I remember back in, I guess, March when this whole thing happened. I was like, there's no chance of the league coming back. It's done. Shut it down. You know, but, but over the course of this time... You know, they keep saying, we might come back, we might come back, we're doing this, we're they've looking been at ca- that. They've done it smart because they've been cautious. They yeah. haven't said, we're coming back, but they right. said, we have this plan in place, this is what it could look like, and we're going to work towards that goal of getting it done. And that's that was the right. first big move. All the other leagues were, wouldn't even come out and say that because they were just so busy just trying to get it going right away. They they came, the NHL came, and, and to their credit, for a league that does a lot of weird things and doesn't do a lot of things right, I think they did this right to get us to this point where Training camps are right around the corner, most likely, knock on wood. And then we will optimistically, we'll likely see hockey start the end of this month, the start of August. Yeah, I agree. All right, Christian, so let's move on here. Let's talk about this draft lottery, this just weird draft lottery. And just as I was saying how the NHL did something right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. My first question for you about this, pal, is... Why didn't they just wait until after the qualifying round? They have this strange setup now where they they have all these TBD <laughs> team situations, right? They yeah. they drag all these general managers out, you know, for the Zoom party, right? And they all look thrilled. <laughs> yeah, and they you know they put the whole song and dance, and you might say, oh well, you know, it's 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 exposure, you know, you get a, you get a televised and stuff, putty. I didn't even know what was happening until the day of. Yes, I think a lot of people. You, I, I think you saw who on social knew? media people who were actively following hockey, actively enjoy the sport, going, I didn't even know they were playing or, or they were they were doing this tonight. Right. Because, oh, oh, and they're televising it? Oh, right. it's on NHL oh, Network? Right. Oh, okay. You would never know that yeah. if it wasn't – I wasn't getting the emails from the league saying, all right, there's, right. there's Zoom availability, this, that, and I'm like, oh, this is happening tonight? Right. Now, at the end of the day, I don't care. I mean, they can trip over their own feet if they want. It doesn't bother me. But it just seems – kind of strange especially with the way this lottery ended up going you have the kings getting the number two you have the right. senators getting the number three even though they had two cracks at it <laughs> poor guys and then like you brought up before the red wings didn't even get in the top three so you know i'm not too upset about that either but now <laughs> now you have this situation where you can't even tell the fans who's picking number one because you got to wait till the qualifying round is over. So why not just do everything all in one shot after the qualifying round so you can actually have that general manager on too and they can celebrate getting the number one. Uh, you know, the, the number one prospect knows where he's probably going and you can do it all in one shot, but they split it up and now we got to wait. And, you know, why are we talking about the draft on this show? Because this actually is going to have an effect potentially on the Islanders if they crap the bed in five games against the Panthers. They will have a 12.5% chance to get the number one overall pick if they go down swinging, I guess, against the Panthers. Right. Which is an, just an incredible... Like I think it just caps how bizarre this season was. The, the Islanders, who at one point were one of the best teams in the league, then all of a sudden they drop out and they kind of fall out of a playoff spot and they're crawling and clawing and trying to get back into one. COVID hits. They're in a playoff spot by process of a little bit of luck because the NHL wanted to be fair. And then they're in the situation. Now they could make a postseason, I guess you could call it, the postseason tournament, and then still have a shot at the like the lottery. Like it, It's yeah. so bizarre. Like I don't have a problem with the format that they cho- chose. I mean, the fact that they made it this convoluted means that they really went above and beyond to try to make it as fair as possible in their eyes, in sure. their minds. So that's fine. You know, I my question was just why split it up into into two Be, events here. You know, no one there's there's it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and that's I don't why because it doesn't make sense, and that's it doesn't. what the NHL does sometimes, right? And it, it, they just seem to fall flat in their faces with this stuff. You know, we also talked about you know well, this is also the same league that was talking about doing the draft before the postseason tournament. Yeah, that I that was a face palm moment. Like what? Yeah. What? How do you even do that? So the fact that we got to a point where the draft lottery is the most bizarre thing of it all is kind of a good thing for the NHL. They walked themselves back from a draft that, I mean, that would have been, I don't want to say disastrous, but it would have been bizarre and it would have really been tough to pull off. And I think rightfully so. A lot of NHL executives, hockey team, you know, team executives were not thrilled with that idea. 
And rightfully so, because it was going to be as convoluted. If you think that the lottery yeah, that was, was, was confusing. Who came up with that? Yeah, that was going to be even worse. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Well, look, at least they figured that portion out. They're going to have the draft when they're supposed to. Right. <laughs> after it's all over. So that's good. So I think we can wrap it up on the draft there, here. And, and, you know, real quick, we can dive a little bit um, into the Islanders-Panthers matchup. And, of course, we can expand on that next week. Because, look, we may not even get camp before our next right. show. Because if it gets postponed those three days, that's going to that's gonna change our game here a little bit. So, you know, that saves us. Hey, we'll have a little more content for that next exactly. week. But, look, we have a little rematch here coming up of 2016. We all know how that went. That was the first time, long time, yes. for the Islanders yes. winning a playoff series. <laughs> So everybody was happy about that. Very exciting. I I was there and uh, I was I was I was jubilant. <laughs> I sure you were. I was very celebratory <laughs> that night. And uh, look, I mean, you got a lot of cast members from that team, that Islander team, still here with the Islanders. So it's going to be somewhat familiar territory. You have a very, I guess you would say, minor Islander villain and Brian Boyle now on the Florida Panthers. If yeah. you remember, he was a villain in the second round right, that year right. for the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. In fact, Arthur Staple over at The Athletic uh, interviewed him on his podcast and talked to him a little bit about that. But, Christian, what do you make of this matchup? You know, they are not they weren't too far, far apart in the standings. The Islanders won all three games during the right. regular season. What do you make of it? And if you have one, you got any predictions for us? Um, I'm for, I'll start with the prediction. I'll start off right from the bat that saying I think the Islanders do win that. I think it's most likely a four-game series. The okay. Islanders win in four games. Um, I think that the Islanders, if anyone, have benefited more from the stoppage of play because of just how banged up they were and how crucial the players that they didn't have on the ice were to that team's success and what made them play the Barry Trotz style of hockey that made them so successful, especially early on in the season when they were, you know, a 10-game winning streak, 17-game point streak. That's when they were at their best, and they were finding every which way to win because they had players that knew the system, and that system benefited them because they could win when a defensive-style game where they put up a couple goals and shut everyone down, or they knew how to come back and and then shut things down a bit. So it, it helped them in different ways. I think that now you have... You know, Adam Pellick being back is such a huge thing mm-hmm. uh, for them on the blue line. It stabilizes a lot, and obviously their offense generates from their defense. So when they have a strong blue line and strong core mm-hmm. in the back end, that makes it easier for the talented offensive players to go the other way and make those make those transitions possible. And then that sets up the you know the Matt Barzal goal that everyone tweets out every five seconds because there's nothing <laughs> right. else going on. Um, so it, it certainly it certainly benefits the Islanders in this situation. I think that helps them, and I think that's what the the situation is for them. I think that's what why they're going to win in four games. After that, it's kind of a crapshoot because then you know then I think everyone's going to be at that level where all right, we got our first round games out of the way, we got mm. everything, um, you know, kind of the kinks out of the system. And now we're ready to go full full gear. And tying this actually into the draft, I just you know <laughs> like. Are there any Islander fans out there that are looking at this and being like, you know what, this probably isn't our year no matter what, even if they get past the Panthers. Do you think there's any Islander fans rooting for a loss here to the Panthers to get a chance at that number one? I'm sure there's someone out there. I I mean, but in fairness, every fan base has that person, right? Every fan base has that guy who's like, you know what, we're not going to win, so screw it. (laughs) Knock us out in three games. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, it is what it is. And, and you know, people brought that up once they did say they were going to split up the whole draft situation, right? Oh, well, now teams have an incentive to lose. There is no team out of those eight Especially when that are going to be trying to lose for a better draft pick because the players and the coaches don't care right. about the draft. Right. They care about themselves. They care about winning. They care about bonuses. If you win playoff games, you get bonuses and you get more money. And I'm not saying that's the number one driving force. I'm saying that adds to it. Right. They want to win. They want a chance at the Stanley Cup. It's not every day you get one. You know, you have those eight teams that they brought in to make it 24 that are thanking their lucky stars. You, you, you hear Brian saying he thinks that the Rangers are going to, you know, beat the, the Hurricanes. Right. I mean, they're going to take every opportunity that they can. And I think whether you agree with the format or not, that's what makes this thing so wild, so fascinating. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch even though we can't be in the buildings i think just the intrigue and the drama behind it is just going to be great stuff a hundred percent i i think that's what really makes this unique and special obviously i think there's been a lot of talk to about asterisks and you know when you look back in history is this going to look the same as a regular stanley cup 
victory by anyone else. And actually, it was interesting. Barry Trotz was doing a Zoom with um, the Manitoba Hockey Junior League or something like that. Okay. Canada. Him and hit him actually. Him and actually um, Ryan Pulak, I think it was. Okay. Um, and the moderator asked him that, and Barry's answer was interesting because he said, "This I think is going to be tougher." And mm-hmm. I think he's right because, again, you look at the circumstance. Everyone is entering this essentially on equal playing field. No one outside of maybe a select few players have skated more than a couple times right? between when this league stopped and between when Phase 2 started. And then you still had teams that were kind of staggering when they're and opening. And who's been keeping themselves in shape? Right. Who's been getting, you know, maybe tugged in the direction of their wives and their babies and all that kind of but thing? But even that, like you even just in general, like take that aside, like you the sport of hockey you need ice to, to play your sport. <laughs> C- correct. There there it's not like you can build a rink in your backyard. It's not like an NBA player can have half a court in his basement or anything like that and he can shoot around and still keep keep to his his skill set even when you're not playing yeah. it's a little tougher to do that when your job and the sport you play is on ice that needs to be kept to a certain degree and yeah a lot of these guys live in you know especially right now where the temperatures are it's warmer it's, right. it's much nicer so right. it's tough yeah no you can work out all you want you can jog <laughs> run hit the bike but that's it's not the same thing as being on your skates 100 so yeah you're right so Again, a lot of intrigue, and I, I think we'll we'll cut it there, Christian. We'll save the rest for next week. Again, you know, we may see some training camp starting on the tenth, so that'll be before our next show because we will be back next week. If not, it gets pushed back a few days, and you know, either way, we'll dive in a little more in depth for the Islanders versus the Panthers. We'll look at the lineup, we'll look at the lines, and we'll see how this matches up. And, and Christian, I'm with you. I think the Islanders will take the series ultimately, whether it's three, four, or five games. I think four is probably the sweet spot. Yeah. Panthers are good enough to take at least one from the Islanders. But again, we'll expand on that more. But most importantly, folks, we want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. Yes, big return. Hockey Night New York 2.0. Hope you guys uh, give Christian a big welcome. Uh, so excited that he's with us here, uh, you know, going forward. Uh, great stuff. Want to thank our sponsor, Blue Line Deli and Grill. Remember, stop on over, see them on 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Delicious food, great people. Stop in, say hello, get yourself some food. Want to thank Go Hockey Media for powering us here. And want to thank you, folks. We'll be back next week. Take care of yourselves.